Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. It is I, be not afraid. We're on our last, we've been out for 16 weeks straight now, and we're heading home this week. So we can't wait to get home, but what a wonderful privilege to be in this wild Pentecostal church. Wild Pentecostal church. This is my wife, Val. Just stand up quickly, Val. <laughs> 52 years we've been together now. Wow. Married, married 52 years. Awesome. I mean, no, that's important. And it's a, a wonderful journey. What a privilege it is to be here. We know your pastor so very well, and you are blessed to have a man and woman of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's a blessing. One of the things that we face, because we're now like over 100 years since the outpouring at Azusa Street, one of the things that we face is that we will lose our distinctives. Well, not in this church you won't. Scary, really, isn't it? But you won't. And I'm so delighted to be here. We love your pastors. We think they're a great couple. Um, I have written a book, only written one, and it's called Forgive, Forget and Faithfulness. It's from the life of Joseph. Huh? Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> Behind every man, there's a good woman and a surprised mother-in-law, isn't that the truth? <laughs> Forgive, Forget and Fruitfulness. Now, there's lots of books on forgiveness. How many of you know? It's a topic that should never be dismissed as unimportant. Jesus said in Luke 17:1, he said, it is inevitable that offences will come. So every one of us in this room will be offended in varying degrees. Some incredibly deep, some are pretty shallow, but we will be offended. And we can't bulletproof ourselves against offence, but what we can do is use the biblical answer to that and that's called forgiveness now there are lots of books on forgiveness um, the uniqueness of my book I think is that I've got forget and fruitfulness because remember it's the life of Joseph he named his first son Manasseh he said the Lord has enabled me to forget the hurts of my father's household there would be people in this meeting and I'm not operating out of a word of knowledge just the facts of life, there would be people in this meeting that have been deeply offended. Sexual abuse, violence, maybe you've had a child taken from you by a drunken driver. How many of you know there's different levels of offences? And I'm here to tell you that God can help you forget. In other words, bring to you a place where it's no longer a haunting thought in your life. How many of you reckon that needs a gracing of God to do that? Some of you may have uh, noticed in December last year there was a photo in the Courier Mail. Do you get the Courier Mail here? Does it come by pigeon or how do you get Okay. <laughs> but there was a photo there of a pastor by the name of Carl Sisson. His nine-year-old son, Josiah, they were looking at these Christmas lights and a drunk driver came and killed his son. And the photo is of this pastor putting his arm around the guy who had killed his son and forgiving him. I tell you, if you talk about 
the gifting and gracing of God for forgiveness, I reckon that would be the best example you could ever get. I don't know how I'd handle that, mate. I don't know how I'd handle somebody doing that to my child. But here's the point that I make, that he said, the Lord has enabled me to forget. And I reckon we, many people here would need to have that grace. Then the, the other point is that he had another son called Ephraim, and he said, the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I'd like to suggest to you, I shouldn't tell you too much, you won't buy it. <laughs> but I'd like to suggest to you how important it is that we realise that the things that happen in our life, God can actually use to make us fruitful ministers to those that are going through the similar things in life. It is an incredible truth that what Joseph saw of all the things that he's happened, you know, the way his brothers treated him, the way Potiphar treated him, the jail he got left behind, all that he saw as God using that to make him a great influence in the land of Egypt. And ladies and gentlemen, nothing in your life has been wasted. He said to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah. How many of you know, if we could look at the hurts and the offences of our life, we can see that God can have a blessing out of what's hurt us. Yeah. How many of you know, go from being a victim to a victor? Yeah. Yeah. Normally we sell these books for $200. <laughs> but they're on sale this morning for $12.95. Buy one for your mother-in-law or something like that. Okay. Now, I have a limited time, and I have been known to go a little over sometimes, but not this morning. <clears throat> My throat's going. I preached last night, preached again early this morning, preached now, I'm going to preach tonight. And I'm 29 years of age. This is unfair, unfair. Overworking it. I'm not a conspiracist theory, theorist. i am uh, been around too long to see the many blanks that have been fired around the world and at the church of all the things that are going to happen. I remember a book coming out called The Late Great Planet Earth. How many of you know we're all ready to go to be with Jesus? But he didn't turn up. <laughs> I remember the 1976 world embargo and the prophecies all around the world was the world's going to stop. I remember the, TYK, the 2YK. How many of you remember that? We all thought the world was going to grind to a halt. And uh, I've read The Late Warning by Barry Smith and then the final last great warning of Barry Smith. And fortunately, Jesus took him home before he took another late, 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 late <laughs> warning. I'm not saying that to be derogative of Barry because he's a wonderful man of God. But, you know, we've all had those things. We've got this, this um, global scare now, the global warming and all that. How many of you know some of these things we ought to look at, they'll come and they'll go, but I tell you what I am worried about. I'm a bit worried about that guy in North Korea. And I'm a bit worried about that American over there. <laughs> but I'm more worried about what's happening in terms of us as a nation facing a redefinition of marriage. You know why? Because God said in the beginning, created man and woman, male and female. And his institution was that man and woman would have children, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with his glory. Yeah. How many of you know that's yeah. God's thing? Yeah. And I want to just encourage you. Yeah. I want to encourage Now, listen, we're going to get an understanding. I don't want you to clap. If you really like what I say, throw money so I'll know that you appreciate it. 
But here's the point. God designed that this couple would fill the earth with his glory. We know Satan has messed that up. But how many of you know the second Adam's come to fix it up? And I commend you for your missions program because you're fulfilling that original intention. When you go overseas, you take the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. So we need to keep that in mind. Having said all that, how many of you reckon that we're even living in a day while it is very, very challenging as to what's taking place in our world? Probably if I've been around a long time, and I have been around a long time, I could get very depressed about what I see happening except that I've got a real word from the Lord for you this morning that won't depress you, but it'll bring you life and hope, I trust, because we are living in a time when Marxism is having a new revolution. I was around in the 60s, 50s and 60s, 1950s and 60s, when everybody was thinking reds under the beds. How many of you remember the great scare of communism and all that? Well, I thought that had pretty well gone, but how many of you know when you look around what's happening today, there's been a resurrection of that Marxism stuff, and it's in our universities, it's coming through our higher education, it's in the media, it's everywhere trying to invade our countries. And you and I need to be alert as to what happened. We're not going to get depressed, because as you finish this message with me, you'll be grateful about God's plan. He's got a great plan yeah. for what's going on. So having said all that about how bad it is out there, and I could go on for hours about that, how many of you know I'd like to tell you how good it is yeah. in the house of the Lord? Yeah. And I'm reading with you, I trust that we're reading this together, from Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31. Peter and John had been reprimanded for their... Um, religious activity. How many of you know they were told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus and they said, mate, we'd rather obey God than you. How many of you know it might come to a point where we get oppressed in the church that we've got to make up our mind that we're going to obey God rather than man and we need to be people that are prepared for that. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord. Would you write on the neck of somebody in front of you, Sovereign Lord? Because that is a very significant start to the prayer. Get the prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We're creationists. How many of you know the significance of this prayer is recognise who is the creator? How many of you know there's a whole organisation trying to remove that from us? We need to say this consistently. We need to say, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? How many of you know this is not new? What's happening is not new. This has been a repetitive cycle. Nations and people trying to rise up against God. (laughs) They don't win, folks. Anyway, (laughs) verse 26. And the kings of the earth take their stand and their rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, would you believe? They met with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. I love this, Ross. 
Like, you know, this is not an act. God didn't go, what's going on down there? How many of you know? They said, <laughs> they did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. How's that? How's that for a good formula for how we as the church should be approaching what's taking place in the world today? Would you notice that this fledgling church had religious opposition, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people of Israel. They had the Gentiles in opposition. They had the military opposition. How many of you know the Romans were a vicious opposition? But they also had the political opposition from Pilate and Herod. I can't think of any other opposition you could have. That just about covers the whole bang lot, does it not? And here they are, this little group gathered together, and they didn't pray this, oh, God. Please make us invisible. Oh, God, please send your angels with fiery swords to keep us protected. Oh, God, could you transport us out of all this like you did with Philip? And if you know, oh, God, send fire and brimstone like you did on Sodom and Gomorrah. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may proclaim your word. How many of you reckon this is a church that knows its position in God? And, mate, they might threaten us out there, but how many of you know in here we have this incredible assurance that God is with us? First, first, their response to dangers. Their first response was unity of prayer. They raised their voices together in prayer. I'm so encouraged, Pastor when I think of what our movement's doing in terms of calling our churches to prayer and fasting. How many of you know we're not into anti-terrorists? We don't do terrorist activities out on those people there. We're called to be people of love and power and a sound mind, and we're here to see how God wants to do this, and the way that God wants to make the difference is becoming a people that are united in prayer. So when you gather to prayer, you're not just filling in a religious activity, you're actually applying a principle that God uses to make his church powerful in influence in the world. Uh, we travelled around, you know, we've been around the districts and up in the bush and around the bush and all that. I am so delighted the number of little towns, as well as the major ones, where the ministers all gather for prayer together. Do you have that here? Isn't it a fantastic thing that all the ministers are forgetting what ticks they have on their doctrine and they say, let's gather around one thing called the gospel of Christ, the church of Christ and the power of Christ doing his work in the community. How many of you reckon we can see a greater move than that happen? And one of the things that will do that, one of the things will do that will be more pressure they put upon us, you know, trying to kick... um, trying to kick Ari out of the schools now in Victoria. The guy down there, Andrews, he said it's not in the curriculum next year. It will be pre-before school, after school or at lunchtime. It'll be supervised and there must not be any uh, winning people over from their religion to another religion. How many of you know they want to close us down? The more that happens, the more the media comes together, the more the church is going to go, hey, we better get together and do this together yeah. in power and strength. And they pray together. Yeah, very good. 
I rang my brother-in-law up the other week, it's about two weeks ago now, and he was the pastor at a place called Richmond Temple, it's now called Bridge, for those of you who may be Victorians. And I said, how's the midweek prayer meeting going, Phil? He said, well, they had something like 700, and uh, get the numbers right, they had something like 750 people for a Wednesday night prayer, mostly under 40 years of age. And in those prayer meetings, they're seeing healings, they're seeing people saved, they're seeing people actually being baptised in water in a midweek meeting. And I'm going, oh, Holy Spirit, stir up your church. May this become the pattern of our churches that we gather together, not to fill in a half an hour of boring praying around the bushes, but may we be people that bore in and bore in and see the power of God yes. demonstrated, yes. and may we see great boldness in the church. Hip, hip. Yes. United focus, great boldness, miraculous signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I was reading in my devotions a couple of weeks ago where the Lord said to Moses, tell the children, tell the guys to tell their children how God delivered them out of Egypt by miraculous signs and wonders. Yes. And here you have in Acts chapter 2, stretch forth your hand and do mighty, yes. mighty miracles. Stretch forth your hand to yes. signs and miraculous wonders. How many of you reckon I'm in for that sort of stuff? Yes. They acknowledge their situation by first of all acknowledging God. Sovereign Lord. Now, I looked up this word, not that it's an unusual word because we often hear the word sovereign, but in the context of this here, when they use the word sovereign lord, normally they use the word kurios. Here they use the word despotus, despotus, which is which we get the English word despot. A despot sounds negative to us because it's someone who acts arbitrarily. It can be seen as a tyrant. How many of you know... Idi Amin and Saddam Hussein, we call them despots. They just did what they want. But we're talking about a holy God who is a holy despot and he does not make reference to anybody else what he wants to do. He does what he wants to do. He doesn't have a voting system. He doesn't have a consensus system. He just does what he wants to do. How many of you reckon that's the greatest comfort I can find in my heart? Yeah. My God is absolutely one who does not need reference or approval. He is the mighty sovereign God. He is the master, the owner, the sovereign. We can call him a holy despot because he really is that sort of a person. Alexander in his commentary said this, it denotes anyone possessed by absolute authority and power. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no God like our God in the heavens. There is no heavenly power. There's no power of evil that can outwit, outpower, outmaneuver, outthink our God. He is absolute over the heavens and the earth. And he has sent his son Jesus to manifest that power upon the planet here. That mighty, mighty despot who created the heavens and the earth. How many of you reckon that's not just a line in a prayer? This is identifying where everything come from. And for all those students who may be going through university and you have a contention by your lecturers about creation versus evolution, you need to constantly remind yourself that our God created the heavens and the earth. Yes. Yes. We believe in creation. Yes. 
that evolutional thing has undermined so many of our kids go to university, something like 70% of them will lose their faith because they're told a contradictory philosophy of life. How many of you know in Romans chapter 1, the starting off of a generation or a culture that starts to go down is a generation that's ignored that he is the creator. They ignore that. And if you know when you do that, take God out of it, that's the slide down. And you and I are in a position to, with these people here, say, oh God, you created the heavens, you created the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that they that dwell therein. How many of you know we're on God's side? He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He does incredible things. Nehemiah 9.6 puts it like this. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. How many of you have got it? These people had it right. They were praying, oh God, thou mighty despot who created the heavens and the earth, we worship you and acknowledge you. Yeah. They also acknowledged that the, they said about their, their father David that he said they, that the nations would rage against him. Now I looked at that word rage and it's word of a spirited horse neighing and rolling its head in rebellious gestures. How many of you know that's a good definition of what the nations are trying to rebel against God, turn against God, want to kick God out of parliament, want to kick God out of the constitution, want to kick God out of the education department, want to stop chaplains going into schools. How many of you know we've got a lot of rebellious horses that are neighing and going, let's get God out of our nation. And I want to stir you people up to say, hey, you are still the mighty God. That warfare may rage, but we know that you are the God that is the God that is a powerful overruling God. I spent a few moments just uh, painting a picture that's not that pleasant about what's happening. But how many of you know we know who wins in the end? In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17, when the servant of the man of God got up and went to out early in the morning, an army of horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you get the picture, folks? Can you get the picture? There might be a lot of people out there and we think that we're over, overshadowed and overrun by all those, but let me tell you the truth. When Lucifer fell from heaven, he took a third of heaven. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that means this to me. We've got two-thirds on our side. How many of you know two-thirds is more than one-third? You've got to say this is a brilliant man indeed. Two-thirds are on our side. We've got more on our side than their side. And, oh, God, open the eyes of your church. Like Elisha played, may we see that God is not out of control. He is not having a nervous breakdown about what's happening. He's got all things totally under control. Do you believe that? Amen. So they prayed together. And what a wonderful thing that happened when they started to pray together. And God started to do things in their midst. We know who wins it. We identify the danger, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, the Israelites. 
threaten persecution. How many of you know the church will never die under persecution? The church grew strongest in the first 200 years. They were persecuted and scattered abroad. How many of you know Constantine came along, got converted, thought he'd make the, the religion of the Roman Empire Christianity. How many of you know after that it started to go down? Who has been one of the most persecuted of Christians in the world? The Chinese have. How many of you know Christianity is growing phenomenally? The fastest growing body of people of Christianity is in China. How many of you know it's never put them down? I spoke to a group of uh, Chinese leaders, 20 of them, representing an underground church, representing 10 million people. I don't know what I was doing there, mate. <laughs> so what, what a peanut you think you could teach these people. The point is, every one of those 20 men and women have been ostracised, persecuted, thrown in jail. Their leader was spending seven and a half years in jail. How many of you know, when your religion costs you something, it means everything? And you know, you and I have got it so good that we take it for granted what we've got. And how many of you can hear what I'm saying? Persecution will not hurt us. Heresy might hurt us. Apathy might hurt us. Lukewarmness might hurt us. But how many of you know the church under pressure always pops up, rises up, becomes a mighty army? And I'm saying to you tonight that I'm believing, or this morning, I'll probably be preaching here till tonight the way I'm going, but I'm saying to you that it's so important that we realise that it's important we recognise that. My friend is a missionary and he goes to China and he's preaching away and he's saying, we want you to know that all of the brothers in Australia are praying for you, that persecution will stop. Anyway, after the meeting, one of the leaders came and said, please don't preach like that. We're praying for persecution to come to your country. <laughs> we reckon that's the thing you need to stir you up. How many of you know, I don't want it, but he's probably telling the truth. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is, Persecution and opposition will not knock the church out. It will make us stronger if we see what the battle is and line ourselves up with what God is doing. So realise the solution starts with prayer. We've got to pray like we've never prayed before. We've got to pray together like we've never prayed before. And they raise their voices together in prayer to God. Prayer is not just a religious activity. You know, it's just not something you do because you've got to fill in time. How many of you know prayer releases heaven? Yeah. Prayer opens the gates. Yes. Prayer pulls down the darks. Yeah. I heard your pastor going up and down. I thought, man, alive, he's like a machine. Up and down. But how many of you know praying and speaking in the spirit? Yeah. In the spirit realm. And how many of you don't, if you don't understand it, how many of you know it sounds weird, but if you understand praying is a spiritual power, yes. it's a weapon that we have against the enemy. And they prayed this incredible prayer. I love this, Pastor. Enable your servants to speak God's word with great boldness. Yeah. The opposite of that is being intimidated. How many of you know the world would love to intimidate you? You're hearing so much on the telly nowadays that you'd be almost scared to say anything at work now in case they call you a religious fanatic or homophobic or hate speech. How many of you know they've quietened down? And I'm not asking you to stand up and be bombastic and rude. I'm asking you to be bold in what you believe. 
I'm asking you to declare what Jesus has done in your life. How many of you know a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument? They can call you, you know, weak will, need a religious crutch and all that sort of stuff. And how many of you know that's because they haven't experienced the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit transforming a life? This man called Paul's on the road to Damascus. He was a fighter and a hater of the church. And how many of you know he had an encounter... Oh, boy, did he have an encounter. Knocked him out. He was blind. And it took three days before he found his sight and his mission. And I'm praying for the church to have more encounters of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you this. You're in a good church for that to happen. The man's a fanatic. God, give us more fanatics. You know what a fanatic is? Somebody who loves Jesus just a bit more than you do. We call them <laughs> fanatics. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, you remember the guy that got five talents? He doubled them. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Remember that? Enter into the joy of your Lord, blah, blah. The guy with two talents, well done, good and faithful servant. Then the guy with one talent said, I was afraid and I hid the talent. How many of you reckon fear will knock most of us down to being of a imp less important person yeah. than we should? Yeah. We have to overcome fear. And the word here, the word of God is boldness. Yes. Yes. Boldness. Gloria Neal was the secretary of our state when I was the superintendent back those in those days. And we were meeting in the... I think it's called the Woolmark Walmart Hotel on the, sun, on the Gold Coast. It's 22 floors up. And at morning tea, because this was her last session, she said, I've got a special gift for you guys. So you'll remember me. So I'm thinking Mercedes, BMW. <laughs> anyway, a guy comes to the door. He's the manager. He says, follow me, gentlemen. So up we go to the lift, up to the 22nd floor. And then we climb up onto the roof, open the door, and there's this bloke there like Rambo, muscles on muscles, and there's a rope coming over the parapet, <laughs> and it's locked down. How many of you start to get a bit nervous when you see that? Anyway, so come in, gentlemen. He said, I'm going to give you this harness. You'll put this harness through here, lock it here, and we'll put the rope through here, and we'll give you two gloves, and then you're going to run face down the building called rap jumping. Mark Edwards, he's a solicitor. He and I went back against the <laughs> air conditioning. Steve Kennedy, you know Steve? He would have gone over without a rope, Steve. <laughs> but I was standing back with my friend Mark and little Gloria Neal. I'm gonna jump, John. So am I, Gloria. <laughs> I wasn't before you said that, but I'll have to now. I don't know how it was. Anyway, I remember sitting on that parapet, that rope in my hand, confessing my sins. So <laughs> That took two days to get over all those. And while I'm sitting there, this man helped me. He pushed. <laughs> and these little fat legs were doing 600 miles an hour, going down there like that. Boom. The building... No, it didn't. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I got in the lift, went up, and I did it again. 
Come on, come on. What's the purpose of this story? I haven't got a clue, but it's a good story. <laughs> Courage overcomes fear. Boldness overcomes fear. You have to take a step to exercise that fear, that faith, by breaking it, by being bold. And this is why they pray, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness. How many of you know, boldness without hindrance. Have you any idea how many people you come in contact may be looking for something in God? Have you any idea? People you work with that you think are not interested, hate church, hate you because what you stand for. How many of you know sometimes given an opportunity, you find out that they're quite interested? We had a coffee shop. And one of the ladies in our coffee shop, her husband was going in for a cancer operation. So we went round to see Dave. And we're just talking generally to him. And then I said, David, you know I'm a minister. I know you're not a religious man. I was very polite. I said, David, would you mind if I prayed for you? Because God can do mighty things in people's lives. Now, how many of you know when you say that, you can get ready what you might get back? Like, get out of here with that junk. I don't believe in that rubbish or all that. And he went, oh, mate. He said, I was watching 60 Minutes. And he said, there was a bloke in there that was born without any arms and legs and he was the happiest man I've ever met and he was thanking God he was born like he was. You know, he was thanking God for what he was born. And he said, I couldn't work it out, but he said, if you've got what he's got, pray for me. <laughs> how, how many of you know, you don't know how many people would just love someone to say, can I pray yes, for right. you? Boldness is not being bombastic and rude and overimposing and bashing people on the head, you rotten sinners. How many of you know just a nice thing like, can I pray for you? Yeah. Or what about this one? Oh, I've got to get back up again if I go too far down. <laughs> what about this? Andrew finds his brother Peter and he says, Peter, come and see. I think we've found the Messiah. And here is one of the great apostles called Peter on a light invitation like, come and see. Yeah. What about inviting your friends to come and see this church? Yeah. Yeah. Come and watch this man in action. <laughs> Tell them to wear their sunglasses, whatever they do. Watch what happens. Watch the worship. Watch the love. Watch the beautiful things that you guys are doing in this community. How many of you know? How many of you know how important it is? You stupid microphone, stay there. How many of you know that we don't know until we have a go. And we want to have a go. And we want this church to be renamed the Church of Have a Go, You Mug. <laughs> I am joking, you know that. But I am asking for boldness. I'm asking to become people that are not ashamed. I am asking that we'll be people that, given the opportunity, will pray. Yep. How many of you know every one of you can lay hands on the sick yep. and they can recover? Right. It says, they that believe. Yep. I'm talking to believers, aren't I? Right. How many of you know you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover? Yep. And I think that we're looking at here is a church that, first of all, has got to be a church that birthed in prayer. Mm -hmm. Secondly, prays for great boldness. And I reckon if we start to see great boldness, 
we have got no idea what God can do with that. You see, the miraculous signs and wonders are not just tricks. They're not even just healings. They're actually the manifestation of God's presence. I love... uh, I love the, the, the Greek word for demonstration, where you, you see this word uh, demonstrating the word of God. It's the word that means to be of proof, to be conviction. In Acts 2, verse 22, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited, this is the same word, accredited by God to you by miraculous wonders and signs. How many of you know we're living in a day when if anything's going to impact our society, it's got to be people of prayer, people of boldness, and people who are prepared to press into the signs and wonders. Now, I know that we have had that historically, haven't we? We've had that historically in the Pentecostal movement. But I love, I'm not saying this to buddy a pastor, I love this man because he really actually believes in signs and wonders and miracles. And you know, there's a difference between believing in it and believing in it. And I'm encouraging you, why doesn't this church become a great lighthouse to our state and to our nation of men and women that can see the proof of God in the signs and wonders? Have you ever stopped to look at the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The word manifestation of the gifts. It's a Greek word, phanerosis. It means to reveal or to shine forth. We saw the reveal, the shining forth of God this morning when this man was working on that word of knowledge and reveal. How many of you know, revealing God. How many of you reckon we can't ever substitute the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit? We can't substitute it, friends, for good music. We can't substitute it for good preaching. And you wishing this morning that would be happening, that there'd be some good (laughs) preaching. But how many of you know it can never substitute for that shining forth of the glory of God in the church? The gifts of the Holy Spirit were not just for the day of Pentecost. The church can't go without the Holy Spirit. What a mad doctrine that it stopped at the first century. What a crazy belief that we don't lo- no longer need the Holy Spirit. How many of you reckon if ever there was a day upon us when we need the Holy Spirit, it's today. We need that power and that demonstration where the Holy Spirit is strong and powerful in our midst. You don't mind if I rattle on to you and say to your church, You're in a great atmosphere here where some things could happen beyond your wildest expectation because you actually believe in the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish I could say every one of our Pentecostal churches were the same. They're not all the same. So how blessed you are. You you can clap now while I try and get up these stairs. I saw a dollar there. Yeah, but but could you throw paper money in case you hit me? (laughs) 
the signs and wonders of the ten plagues. You couldn't deny that, could you? Although they resisted. The four lepers who were at this city, starving inside, and they went down to the camp of the Arameans, and it says, the Bible says, that the Lord had caused them to hear the sound of an army. It wasn't an army, but what a miracle. They all moved out, and those four lepers went down there, and they rescued a whole city. And by the way, they were enjoying the eating and the drinking and all that they'd found, and they said to each other, we're not doing the right thing. They said, this is a day of good news. They word the word, used the word, this is a day of good news. How many of you reckon that's the gospel? And we must not keep it to ourselves. Church, we've got the good news and we must not keep it to ourselves. How about Gideon going from 32,000 down to 300 and having a great victory? How about Daniel delivered from a lion's den, brought glory to God? How about that boy with five... Five small loaves and fishes fed 5,000 people. How many of you reckon I'm talking to people here? It's not that you have to be a great hero, just the small things that you have, whatever's in your hand, what you can give to God can become a great, mighty miracle of God. So I'm here to tell you, you today that we're in a day when God wants to visit his church again. He wants to give, visit it in power and demonstration. He wants us to be people that have already recognised. You know what I reckon over the last few years we've had an incredible teaching on discipleship and mentoring. We've had a lot of teaching on how to keep people in the church and nurture and pastor them and care for them. We've had a lot of teaching on getting people ready for leadership. And listen, I don't see that as negative. I see that all as a great positive because if we have a move of God, all that we have received will enable us to hold what God is about to do. Because that move of the Holy Spirit, I reckon when there comes that mighty miracle, there'll be fantastic things happening. And then finally it says, and the place where they were was shaken. Okay, I'm not going to pray any prayers like that for you guys this morning just in case. But how many of you reckon we need a good shaking in the church? We need to see those things that can be shaken. Hebrews 12. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now the promise has come. Once more I will shake not only the earth and the heavens. The words once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to speak over your congregation that God starts to shake you. Not in a negative sense, but shake you in a very positive. Shake up all the legalism and the Pharisaism and the religiosity. Shake all the things that are not... Uh, conducive to the Holy Spirit moving, shake us from bad attitudes and bad theory, shake us from bitterness and hurts and all that, shake us from the things that are holding us back and may we become a mighty people that love God and love his presence more than anything else. God, shake us. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Moses is pleading this desperate plea. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish us from other people? How many of you have got the point that we are a people that God wants to distinguish by demonstrating who he is in the lives of ordinary people like you and me, shining forth the glory of God? Father, we pray for that presence 
that anointing, that unbelievable, undeniable manifestation of your presence to increase upon this congregation. Holy Spirit, come down more. Pour out more oil, pour out more wine, pour out more of that anointing, oh God. Come upon this people in revelation anointing. Oh God, may they stand up and be the people you have intended them to be. May the spirit of fear be broken over them. May the spirit of apathy be broken over them. May there be a revelation of Jesus Christ. Let that anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage be upon this people. May they rise, oh God, and be like your church was intended to be, full of the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Shake us, oh God. This is a day to press into God like you've never pressed into God. This is a day to seek his face like you've never sought his face. This is a day when boldness needs to be released upon you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. We know the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not only for witnessing, but how many of you know that's primarily why we've been given the Holy Spirit, that we might become greater witnesses for Christ. Yep, I understand speaking in tongues is an edifying. I, yep, I understand that we can pray in the Spirit and communicate with the Father and intercede by the Holy Spirit. But would you hear it? We have been raised up to be a people filled with the Holy Ghost who would be greater witnesses for Christ in Jesus' name. Would you please stand? Can I pray a corporate prayer over all of you? Would you mind holding hands? Presence of God's in this house. Presence of God's in this house. Pray this after me. Sovereign Lord, holy despot, hear our cry. Grant unto your servants, with all boldness, we may proclaim your word. Stop there for a second. I now come against the spirit of fear. I break its power over your life. That spirit of timidity that makes you ashamed. And I pray you will have power, love, and a sound mind. I pray over you in the name of the Lord Jesus that that spirit of fear be broken and power and love and a sound mind will start to flow from you. We're going to pray this now and grant unto your servants that we would stretch forth our hands 
and heal and see miraculous signs in the mighty name of Jesus. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, living and moving and reigning in our hearts and lives, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ in his wonderful name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 